Thank you for downloading the Aging Matters podcast. To find out more about how Transitions Life Care is providing care and comfort for life's changing needs, visit transitionslifecare.org. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Good afternoon to you. I am Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas representing Transitions Life Care as well as Sam Peterson. Good morning, Mary. How are you doing? Doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. Sam, you ready for the show today? Doing good. I'm ready. Excellent. Excellent. Well, uh, I'm so excited to be with you two ladies today. I know uh, uh, Nicole's last program was last week, but Aging Matters just keeps trucking on. So we've got a wonderful show lined up for you today. And we're going to be focusing at first on a caregiving story and um Mary, we've got Charles Clifton on the line. He is a caregiver, and we're going to be talking a little bit about his experience with his mother and uh, a dementia diagnosis. Wonderful. Good afternoon, Charles. Thank you for joining us today to talk about your journey. How are you? I'm doing fine, and you? I'm doing very well. I think to start off, can you give our listeners um, a little bit of your background and talk to us about how your mom was diagnosed with dementia? Yes, sure. My mom, she came to live with me in the summer of 2012 due to some other health challenges that she was facing that she could not, she could no longer stay by herself at her house in Winston-Salem. And the diagnosis came because in the midst of transferring her, all of her doctors from Winston-Salem to Durham. And she complained about forgetting things. And so when, when, when we had all of her doctors move over here to Durham, that's when the dementia diagnosis came. That's that must have been a very hard journey for you. And what are some of the biggest challenges you've had during that time and in, in discovering her dementia diagnosis and, and what that looked like for you? What are some of your biggest challenges that you've been facing? It's it's just seeing her decline. Mm-hmm. Not only is cognitive, but she also had mobility issues at the same time in biggest changes for me is to make sure that she's cared for and for me to have a to continue to work at a full-time job Wow, that's a lot on your plate. And I can imagine during COVID-19 and this pandemic, things have dramatically changed for you as a caregiver. Um, Can you talk to us a little bit about what COVID-19 has presented for you as a caregiver and those challenges and um, how you're handling that and navigating the pandemic? Yeah, sure. In 2016, I had to move my mom into memory care because it 
it made sense to me, and I was already wearing down. Mm-hmm. And then meeting all the demands of caring for her and also main, trying to maintain a full-time job. And then I did have an aide come that to stay with my mom while I was at work. And the thing, and when she told me that she could no longer do it, do it, and I was feeling the same way. I knew that it was time to make that transition. Now, fast forward to last year in the COVID diagnosis. I was used to visiting my mom at least three times a week. Mm-hmm. And as of March last year, when they, when the community just said you're shutting down visitation, it it was shock. It was shocking and saddening, but at the same time, I understood what they were doing because COVID was in its. We were still trying to figure out what all the ramifications of COVID. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And can you talk to us a little bit? How? What ways have you stayed connected with your mom during COVID? And while she's in the facility, have you been doing any teleconferencing or talking with her over um, the phone? And how are you guys finding new ways to connect with each other while you're in the facility? Well, uh, I've done the Zoom conference mm-hmm. and the initially when they started allowing virtual visitations I did a couple of them with my mom and the first one went quite royal and that was about the beginning of May and then the second one I did she did not it wasn't a good experience mm-hmm. because it's at the same time I don't see she was fully aware of what's going on and then mm-hmm. so she just cried the, during the entire uh, virtual visit. And fast forward to July of last year, they started open opening up for outdoor visitation where where you have to get screened, at least have the taker have the temperature taken and fill out the paperwork as have you been anywhere, have you been mm-hmm. exposed to COVID or been anywhere within the last fourteen days with COVID exposure or travel and things like that. And no those went relatively well, but I noticed as time went on in subsequent visits, it just seemed like it the most of the response she will respond if you ask her a question, but 
most of the time it's just it's, she's just stared stared at stared and looked out so the connection was fully made now fast forward to early November of last year they did allow in-person socially distance visitation and at that and I was able to visit her once in person, and that went, I would say, quite well because she was the most talkative mm-hmm. and really had conversed with with her during the entire visit. That's good. That's good. And as we wrap things up here, is there one wish that you would have relating to how you could be better supported as a caregiver for your mom? What is one wish that that you had in the community? That just this, just hoping that one day that I can be able to hug her and without having to wear a mask or socially distance from her. And and I'm hopeful that that can happen soon mm-hmm. because the other experience that I've had is they did have an outbreak at the community in mm-hmm. late November, early December, and my mom was one of the residents who tested positive for COVID. Thankfully, she was asymptomatic mm-hmm. and since the latter part of December she has tested negative since. Good news. Well, and yeah. another thing that's making me hopeful is she gets vaccinated on Friday with the first dose. Excellent. Excellent. That's great to hear and you know when we're on these caregiving journeys there's a uh, typically some heartbreak involved. And when you throw COVID-19 on top of it, that that can really compound things. But Charles, thank you so much for coming on the show here and, and sharing your story. I think it's uh, as, as difficult or as uh, uh, cathartic as it may be for you. It, I think it really helps other listeners who are going through a similar situation. He is Charles Clifton, a caregiver. And uh, we heard the story about his mother and her dementia diagnosis. We're going to continue with more Aging Matters right after this. You are listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF with your hosts, Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas and Sam Peterson. Thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. And Mary and Sam, we had a really nice, interesting uh, conversation with Charles. It was kind of difficult to hear uh, the the challenges that he went through on his caregiving journey, but uh, we we ended on a high note that uh, his mom is is getting a vaccine this week, which is great to hear. But, you know, along with that, uh, on any sort of uh, caregiving journey or uh, as we 
need to handle maybe a, a living transition with our loved ones. We're going to be uh, talking about what aging in place looks like and, you know, when do we consider a assisted living facility or, you know, when is staying at home the right decision? And to have a conversation on this, we have English Edwards with us. And English is the area manager of business development for Sunrise Senior Living. English, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. We're excited as well. Um, so we know that COVID's really been such a hot topic, obviously, uh, especially for caregivers who are looking for option of to step up from home. I know in my personal experience, we've had to deal with some of that from my grandmother, what it looks like for her staying in places home versus the possibility of moving her to an assisted living facility. Um, but tell us about some of the cost differences between placement at an assisted living versus staying at home, because I know that was a big factor for us when we were looking into it. Yeah, I think that's always the big question um, for families when they're looking mm-hmm. at, you know, should we should we leave a loved one at home or should we make that transition? And I think there's a couple of things that you have to look at. Um, you know, one is the cost of in-home care, um, and it it typically runs, I would say, twenty to twenty-five dollars mm-hmm. an hour to have someone come into your house. Um, so if if you're if you've got someone coming in for about eight hours a day, that's about one sixty a day. For a lot of families, that that's cost effective. They're okay with that. I think when it goes over that eight hours, then that's when you really need to start looking at that cost effectiveness between having someone at home caring for your loved one or looking at transitioning to an assisted living facility. Because after that eight hours is when that cost becomes more in line with assisted living and then if you go into a 24-hour care situation you know it's oftentimes twice as much as being in a community mm-hmm. and so outside of just the cost aspect of it i think a big thing that families need to look at is the impact that it's having on their life um you know if if you've got someone coming in for a few hours a day but you're having to go over there multiple other times of the day if you're having to spend the night really looking at that impact that it's having on you and your life. Um, because, you know, as I would always tell families, you're no good to your loved one if you're worn out and worn down. Absolutely. And so I, I think looking at that impact is a big, big piece of it. Because when you transition someone into a, a facility setting, you've then got the support of a whole team instead of just one person. You're one person trying to do everything, manage that schedule, get medications, groceries, pay the bills, manage the house, do all that outside of your own home. But when you move into a facility, then you've got a whole team that's supporting you through that process. So you get to go back to just being the adult child, the adult grandchild, whoever it is that you're caring for, and just love on them and visit with them and enjoy being with them while other people are in charge of the meals, the housekeeping, the care, um, kind of all those pieces to it. So, you know, I think that those are the two big things that I think families should look at when they're considering keeping their loved one at home versus moving into a facility. That's really good insight, English. You talked a little bit about the team approach to care at an assisted facility. Um, can you talk a little bit more about what your team consists of? Do you offer primary care on site? Do you have a podiatrist, um, behavioral health? What what things exist at an assisted living facility um, that really wrap the 
wrap your residents um, with comforting care for these families? Sure. Yeah, and every assisted living is a little bit different, um, but I think the nuts and bolts of what we do is is all about the same. You know, every assisted living is going to have um, CNAs, certified nursing assistants, who are in the communities providing the care, help with bathing, dressing, um, getting down to meals, kind of whatever whatever the residents need. Um, there's typically some level of nursing coverage. So there's nurses there kind of overseeing the medical needs of the residents. There's med techs that are dispensing the medications. We provide meals. We do housekeeping. We do laundry. We do all of those services that you typically were managing yourself at home um, or your loved one was managing themselves at home. Um, and then, you know, almost all facilities have, you know, a home health hospice that's coming in, um, providing additional help with therapy, things like that. Um, there's different doctors groups that go into assisted living communities so that those residents don't have to leave to go to see their primary care physician, which is wonderful. It, it takes that load off of the family of having to get them to a doctor's appointment or having to be there because our teams can communicate what that visit was like. Um, you know, we can even do um, lab services, x-rays. Um, so it's really kind of an all-inclusive approach to taking care of that resident with the goal being getting them all of the support and care that they need in an environment that doesn't stress them out. So they don't have to go out and about if they don't want to. Now, if they choose to keep their own physicians outside of the community, they are welcome to do that. Um, but having all of these services come in just takes that load off of that family of having to get them there, but also takes it off of that resident where they don't have to feel that need to, to go out if they don't absolutely have to. I know that's such a big relief for, for residents. Um, so when people are considering a move to an assisted living facility, what should families or caregivers look for when they're searching for an assisted living? You know, I always would, would, would tell families, it, it, it sounds like, I don't want to compare it to like shopping for a house, mm -hmm. but if you've, if you've ever bought a house, you walk into some houses and you just feel so comfortable and layout's great and you love it. And then others, you just don't quite feel it. So some of it's some of it's a feeling. Um, honestly, meeting the team. You know, if you feel a connection with the team that's there, if if care managers are greeting you as you're walking through the community, um, if you're being introduced to people, you know, that's a great way to get a feel for who's going to be taking care of your loved one. Um, I think that's a that's a really big piece to it. I think doing research. You know, going online and looking at reviews on different communities. Um, you know, we're all monitored by the state and county and, and those, not grades, but I call them grades, they're all, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, the ratings are on the internet for you to see and if there's been any, any big issues. I caution too to not rely solely on those ratings um, because, you know, we're all humans doing human work. So, Absolutely. Um, you know, I think it's important if you see things that concern you to ask that community, hey, I noticed this um, on the internet, you know, what happened or what can you tell me about it? Um, to just give that community an opportunity to talk through that situation um, with that family. Um, you know, I think looking for a place that, that smells good, that's clean, um, that has a robust activity calendar, that has different programs that are put in place to help your loved one live their best life, their highest 
quality of life that they can are all important things to look for as you're comparing different communities. You know, looking at a place that's close to your house. Obviously, um, you know, there's a lot to consider, but if, some, if there's a, a facility that's 45 minutes away, you may have a harder time visiting than one that's 10 or 15 minutes away. So I do think location is an important piece of, of that um, when you're looking into a community. Um, and I think just asking around, you know, mm -hmm. asking your friends um, if, if they know of any places. You know, word of mouth is often the greatest recommendation. So, mm -hmm. you know, asking those that you know that have cared for a loved one, some places that they looked into or where they've had, you know, or known people that have lived. Yeah, I think they're all great things to think about. Those are some great suggestions. We're, we're speaking with English Edwards, and we're going to continue our conversation right after this. Stick around. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one with Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. If you have questions for the show, you can email agingmatters at transitionslifecare.org. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Hey, don't forget, you can always find more information about Transitions Life Care online at transitionslifecare.org, transitionslifecare.org. Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas and Sam Peterson. Our guest on the line is English Edwards, and English is the area manager of business development for Sunrise Senior Living, and we're having a conversation about assisted living, and uh, English, you are just giving us some wonderful tips to consider when we're choosing an assisted living community. And uh, Mary, I, I want to focus a bit more on that because, you know, when uh, when we're in a caregiving situation, the one of the the uh, downsides can be social isolation and mm -hmm. we're not being able to socialize with people in the way that's healthy for us. But assisted living can, uh, you know, help with that situation. Absolutely. English, you touched on this a little bit, but can you talk to us a little bit more about some of the services that are offered at assisted living? A lot of people and dealing with seniors and loved ones at home um, think a lot about this and assisted living offers a new lease on life um, for, for people that are moving in. So can you talk to us a little bit more about some of these services? Yeah, you know, I, I think one of the biggest reasons that families seek out assisted living is that um, because their loved one is so isolated. And mm -hmm. for so many of our seniors, they just they want to stay home. They want to stay where it's comfortable, where it's familiar, where it's what they know. Um, but as they age and, and as their different diagnoses kind of pull them out of the things that they've always done, they do become more and more isolated at home. And that can lead to a lot of other issues. And so lots of families come, come through our doors with that very, that very issue of my mom is just sitting at home, she's not doing anything. So, you know, in assisted living, most have just wonderful activity programs. Um, you know, the, the care is designed specifically 
to connect and engage your loved ones. So we're going to give them as much care as they need, um, but still encouraging them to be as independent as they can be. You know, getting a list of activities that they used to do, things that they've maybe always been interested in but have never done. And being in a setting where there's people there to support them, um, to help them. You know, they don't have to be the world's greatest painter, but they can come and take part in an art class and maybe learn a new skill. Um, we've had residents that maybe used to do a lot of woodworking, but as they've aged, they're not able to do that anymore. Well, now with the support and the supervision of our team, they may not be able to get out there with a saw and build a bench, but um, I know in one of our communities, they've been building birdhouses for years that they've been selling um, to raise money for some nonprofits. And so the goal is to connect them with those things that still give their life meaning and purpose. And being in a community, there's going to be people encouraging them to do that throughout the day and throughout the week and throughout the month. And they may not want to do it initially when they first move on, but we're going to hound them until we get them to do something. Because <laughs> so, um, that's the point, you know, is, right. is that you were just sitting at home doing nothing but watching the prices, right, and Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> So, um, you know, let's get you out of that and get you into an environment where there's more opportunity for you to do things. And, you know, I know with my own grandmother, she was really adamant about not leaving the house. Mm -hmm. And once we got her into a community um, and she was in a different state, but I went to visit her and she had friends. She had people that she was sharing meals with. She was no longer eating by herself. Um, you know, she was doing activities that she'd never done before. And so... You know, we want to get them out of that isolated situation and into an environment where they're being stimulated every day. Absolutely. I know that's such a huge factor for, for residents there to get that social interaction, um, especially if they've been used to being isolated at home. Uh, so, English, can you talk a little bit to us about how uh, COVID has obviously, if we've seen in the news, affected a lot of our facilities in the area. Can you talk about how that's affected you and your team and kind of how you guys are dealing with that? Uh, we know that vaccines have been rolling out to some facilities, which is wonderful. But um, how have you guys kind of been managing that through this time? Yeah, obviously, COVID has changed uh, the landscape of everything. <laughs> and senior living has, has been no different. Um, you know, it's been a challenge for our residents. Um, I think the biggest piece to that is that, that their families for quite some time were not allowed to visit. And that was to keep our residents safe. Um, obviously, the fewer people that were coming into our community, the safer we could keep our residents. Um, but we were doing daily and weekly trainings with our teams on the, just the constant reminder for good hand washing, you know, limiting your trips outside of the community to the grocery store, you know, that that when you're in our community, it's kind of like a little bubble, but our team members go home and they have families. Mm -hmm. And so really just drilling into them the importance of maintaining those um, those precautions even outside of, outside of the community. Um, within the community, of course, you know, we're practicing all of the universal precautions that we've always done with hand washing, masks, gowns if needed. Um, but the challenge was, okay, well, how do we still engage our residents? Mm -hmm. you know, because they are having to be isolated as well. Um, and so our activities and volunteer coordinators, you know, really had to kind of step up their game and did a lot of one-to-one -one activities with residents. Um, we could do, and we're still doing some small group activities of, you know, three or four people, um, we have activity carts, so different themed carts that we would go around with 
to do the afternoon socials and the morning socials and um, still were playing games. We would do music in the hallways or music um, out in the courtyard so the residents could open their windows and, and still get fed in that way. Um, so it was really just taking what we've always done, but just having to do it in a different way um, because those residents still needed that connection. Um, and the great thing about being in assisted living during this is that they were still having interaction mm -hmm. throughout the day, you know, with, with people coming in to provide their care, give them their medications, um, bring them their meals. Um, but outside of that, they still needed to have that connection with their friends um, and their family. So we had tablets and we were doing FaceTime calls with families um, and helping them maintain that connection with their loved ones. Um, and so now, you know, things, you know, had loosened up a little bit and we were able to have family visits outside. Um, we were able to do some dining in the dining room, those socially distanced and not as many people. Um, but all of those things are, are ways that we're getting back to normal. And of course, now the vaccine has rolled out. One of our communities got their first dose last week. Um, another one's getting it this week and the other two are getting them next week. So, you know, I think that's going to really open up what we're going to be able to do you know, within the community with our residents and, and helping them get back to life as normal um, as we can. Absolutely. That's a great point with the vaccines, and that's very exciting news. Um, do you see a lot of your residents and staff getting the vaccine, and have you, what has been the reaction kind of to the vaccine and, and that plan rolling out? We have seen uh, uh, the residents, especially. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, last week they were lined up, ready. <laughs> Yay! Um, awesome. They, they they were very excited. You know, we've been doing a tremendous amount, and we've had several calls a week um, with our VP of nursing, talking through the vaccine, answering any questions. Um, because with anything new, especially a vaccine, you mm -hmm. know, I think there's some hesitation. Um, people are maybe wanting to do it, but are a little nervous. And so those calls have been just wonderful for our teams mm -hmm. to hear, um, you know, just what's out there, what's being said, what is being experienced, um, you know, talking through any side effects that have we've been being reported. Um, and so what we what we tend to see is maybe some team members who are a little more gun shy at the beginning. Once they start seeing, you know, their peers taking the shot, or we're there to answer questions then they become more comfortable and, and are wanting to take it. Um, so it's been, it's been fun. We try to make it fun. We're putting up balloons and having fun music and trying to make it a celebration of, you know, Hey, this is our, this is a step in the right direction. Um, and they've responded really well to that. So. That is the yeah. voice of English Edwards and English. Thank you so much for sharing some tips and insight when it comes to assisted living. If folks want to get a hold of sunrise senior living, what's the best way to do that? Um, they can just go to our website, sunriseseniorliving.com. Easy enough. Sunriseseniorliving.com. Sunriseseniorliving.com. She is English Edwards Area Manager of Business Development for Sunrise Senior Living, and we are going to take a quick break. And we'll be back with more. Stick around. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. 
joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds us, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas and Sam Peterson, and we're going to shift our focus now to the concept of decluttering and uh, downsizing, and uh, we've, we've got a guest on the line that we will get to, but uh, before we get to that, Sam, there was uh, some chatter during the break <laughs> that you, you've got a little story when it comes yes, to decluttering. Yes, I do, I do, I do indeed. What is it? What, what, uh, well, what inspired this? Well, my grandmother was a Big yard sailor at her thing every morning, 5 a.m., went to Hardy's with her friends and <laughs> hit up the yard sales, which was great. We loved that she had that pastime. It was something she loved to do, but we didn't love so much um, the things that were continued to be bought in the home. So um, we're actually looking at going up to her home, hopefully sometime in the future here to do Help her help with some decluttering well, of that back room. Well, so I, I'm excited about this. I've, I've got someone on the line here who may be able to help you, and that is Deanna Waters. She is the owner and founder of Make It Home, and they are a senior move management and right-sizing company. Deanna, thank you so much for joining us today. Good morning, or welcome. Thank you. Good morning. We're so excited to have you here. Um, so first, let's actually kick off and have you talk a little bit about your business and kind of how you got started in this sphere. Oh, sure. Um, so several years ago, I recognized that all of my peers, my friends, my colleagues were going through this process of helping their parents or parent downsize and move to a much smaller residence, oftentimes a senior living community. And uh, we're all busy professionals, you know, and it it just seemed like a very challenging, stressful time for the family. And uh, I thought, you know, I could probably help out in this way. Uh, I was thinking about another business, and so I decided to create this business. That's more or less how I got started. (laughs) I love that. Uh, So we know that a lot of people have more than they need, uh, but are deciding where to kind of start is hard. Uh, So what are some of the first steps people should really take when they're starting to consider a move or a downsize? Some of the things would be, um, number one, what, what is your new residence size? What's the floor plan? And if you know that, uh, then you can use that as your guide, so to speak. So that is what I always recommend to my clients and other people. Start with the floor plan of your new residence and then um, measure furniture that you think you want to take with you and other larger decor pieces. And those cabinets, the kitchen cabinets, the closets, maybe you have a large walk-in closet now in your 3,000 square foot residence, but you don't have a walk-in closet in your new 1,000 square foot apartment. So that's a great place to start. And then from there, just start attacking those spaces that are overcrowded or uh, need decluttering and making decisions about what to do with those things that you're not going to use going forward. Mm So let's actually talk about some of that decluttering and kind of letting some things go. Uh, I know 
that it can be hard sometimes for people, you know, they develop a lot of attachments to items and there's um, a lot of sentimental items people might have in their homes too. And you don't want to be the bad guy. Uh, So how do you help families kind of manage that conversation around sentimental items or things that are harder to let go? Does it maybe help sometimes to bring in a third party to help mediate? Exactly, exactly. And I hear this a lot. So thank you for asking the question. We all have sentimental items. And if we've been living in our homes for 50 or 60 years, we don't just have our things or our children's things. We also have our parents and sometimes grandparents' things. So family heirlooms. Um, I start by suggesting that if something brings you a lot of happiness and a lot of good memories, let's try to work that. Let's try to hold on to that and work it into the new residence somehow. Um, Then secondly, there may be somebody in the family that has an interest in having that formal set of china that you don't need anymore. So um, deciding what you really love and want and can still utilize going forward And then making decisions like, or asking yourself questions like, um, when was the last time I used this thing? When's the last time I used that crock pot? Or do I have three crock pots and I really (laughs) only need one? Um, And then clothes, you know, pretty much we all have too many clothes, right? I have too many clothes. (laughs) I've got clothes that I'll never wear again. Um, So ask yourself, when's the last time I wore that suit or you know, whatever the item is, and then and then use that as your guide for what you're going to keep and then make some decisions about how to disperse of those things. Excellent. That's a great advice. I'm looking forward to using some of that myself. <laughs> so <laughs> what are some of the biggest challenges that you see come up for people um, when it comes time for them to downsize or move? You know, getting started. Mm-hmm. Getting, just getting started, having the motivation or the enthusiasm to do something like that um, is a big hurdle for people. And um, a myth, and I hear this, uh, a lot of people feel like downsizing means, the description of downsizing is throwing away everything you own. Mm-hmm. And that's just simply not true, right? Um, so getting started. So if, if somebody is having a hard time doing that, a third party, as you suggested, is a good way to get started because sometimes family, you know, adult children come in and they say, you don't need that anymore, you don't want that anymore, and maybe that cookbook has a lot of sentimental value. Even though you don't cook anymore, it has a lot of handwritten recipes in it, and they uh, remind you of your grandmother or whomever, and you need to hold on to that cookbook where the adult son's like, Mom, you don't need that cookbook anymore. Mm-hmm. So um, that's another challenge I think families bump into is different people's perspectives about what has value and what doesn't. Yes, absolutely. I know something that my family has dealt with, and my grandparents were in their home for many, many years. My dad grew up in the home, and it was really hard for them to make that decision to move out of that home. So for a caregiver helping with a loved one who may not be interested in downsizing or decluttering um, and you know putting their heels in, in the ground, how do you suggest approaching that conversation and, and kind of getting that started? You know, I'm dealing with that right now. <laughs> 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 
So um, it's not easy. And um, I think starting earlier rather than waiting until it is, you know, uh, an accident has happened or, Mm -hmm. you know, a a medical event has happened and now the decision is being forced on the senior. Um, So I think starting early, having this conversation like mom or dad, you know, you know, how do you see yourself living here three years from now or a year from now, you know, if I'm 700 miles away and I don't know if you've fallen and you're, you're lying on the floor, mm-hmm. you know, just starting the conversation and helping them visualize maybe, you know, some potential hazardous things that could take place, even though that's not a pleasant thing to think about. It's the reality. We all know that falls don't often end up well um, for that person. So um, just starting the conversation early and being open and honest about your feelings and trying not to make it, you know, a, uh, a black and white decision, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's a really great suggestion. Uh, you know, coming from a point of caring as opposed to uh, the idea that maybe it's coming from a point of control, which usually doesn't go over very well. She is Deanna Waters, the owner and founder of Make It Home, a senior move management and right sizing company. Uh, Deanna, what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you if they're interested in your services? A phone call would be great or an email. Um, my number is 919. 919- four three six one zero seven one and my email is Deanna at makeithome.net. My website is also makeithome.net if you'd like to go there and learn more about our business. Perfect. Make it home.net. Make it home net. Deanna, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. And a special thank you to our other guests, English Edwards and Charles Clifton, for their time today. We are out of time ourselves, but we will uh, be back with you next week. And we hope you will join us as well. On behalf of Mary Lucas and Sam Peterson, I am Jason Kong, thanking you for listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680. WPTF News Talk Traffic. Have a great day. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. For more information, log on to transitionslifecare.org.